Welcome in the Lions 24-7 podcast as we roll into uh, the second half of June. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you as always. Plenty to get to as we are in between two important recruiting weekends uh, for Penn State football. And things thing, then things get a little bit more quiet on the recruiting front. Uh, but a lot to get to in that regard. We've got some player news. Um, and we've got Sean Fitz, of course. Uh, Sean, here we are for another episode. You are at the beach. I'm holding it down in Happy Valley, and, and we're making it happen. I appreciate you holding it down. And yeah, my audio might be a little bit uh, different than you're used to, but I'm recording off the headphones today. I didn't feel like lugging the equipment down here. But yeah, just uh, sort of a transition week between a big uh, camp weekend and another big camp weekend, another big official visit weekend coming up. And of course, we talked a little bit last week with the assistant coaches, so we're going to start uh, start there and dive right into that sort of thing. But a lot to talk about. Not sure how long we're going to go, but uh, if you hear any noise in the background, that's uh, that's family and they're happy to be guest stars. <laughs> yeah, and as you mentioned, we, we, we touched on it last episode and, and, and said we we're going to go into greater depth. And now here we are. There was a, a media session with every member of the coaching staff uh, last week, and, and it was a really valuable experience for, for us and, and an opportunity to play catch up um, on a lot of personnel questions and, and depth chart issues. And obviously, we're not going to get the full scale. Uh, but naturally, the first thing that, that was you know mentioned to James Franklin during you know his time with the media, Sean, no surprise here, was the quarterback position because first time that we've gotten him in a group setting uh, since Tommy Stevens announced that he was departing campus. Obviously, since then, Stevens has found his home at Mississippi State. Uh, Sean Clifford, uh, you know, from what we hear from the players, from the sense that we're all getting, is going to be the first team quarterback. But James Franklin uh, addressing it here, no surprise, the competition continues into the summer. My confidence level is very high. I think, you know, that's I think that's one of the things that we've done a pretty good job of is, is recruiting guys and then developing guys and um, you know, and then also you know, guys getting some opportunities. You know, so uh, we have a lot of confidence in Sean and what he's been able to do in some ways is a blessing in disguise because he was able to get work last year that probably would have been Tommy's work. Um, obviously, Levis now is 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 thrust into a, you know a more significant situation, and instead of it being a three-way quarterback battle with with Levis, Sean, and Tommy, now now it's a three-way quarterback battle with with one of the two freshmen. So we'll see how the whole thing plays out. And we've talked about Will Levis and, and the importance that he now takes on as the perceived number two. But obviously, Franklin wants him uh, to, to be in this competition. He even brought up the, the true freshman, whether it's Daquan Roberson or, or, uh, or Michael Johnson maybe being in this thing. I, I certainly don't see that. Uh, but, you know, I think there's a lot of confidence in Clifford. And, and, and Franklin said it uh, during this conversation as well. He thinks Le- Levis really learned a lot last year on the scout team um, and, and learned how to take coaching. And we've heard that about Sean Clifford in the past as well. Um, so, Sean, just curious on your thoughts. I don't think there's much of a surprise coming out here if anyone was looking for a declarative statement about his starting quarterback at this point of the calendar. Well, we assume it's going to be Clifford, and I, I see no reason to think that it's not going to be him. So, I mean, I think uh, he kind of mentioned the timeline is pushed back a little bit and wants to get a little bit more comfortable, see what they have from both of those guys and go from there, which I, I think makes complete sense. Maybe if Tommy's back, they name a starter before camp or I guess uh, early, I think two weeks into camp is usually the, the, the registered time period that we that we like to go on. So um, nothing really surprising there. Levis just continues to, to, to draw some praise. I mean, I, you just see this kid out there. He looks phenomenal. He throws the ball like crazy. A couple of staffers have, have remarked to me they've been they've been around Jay Cutler in the offseason at Vanderbilt and they remind he reminds them 
regarding arm strength reminds them of Jay Cutler. So that's uh, <laughs> I didn't want to get too far into the Jay Cutler comparison there. But uh, no, I mean it's uh, it's it's fun to watch him. It's fun to see him grow and see what kind of role he can have. We talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He'd be happy to have some sort of uh, you know I guess sort of like a lion package type role. But I, I mean, I, I agree. It's Sean Clifford's team. He's going to be the guy. I'm excited to see what he can do. Got to keep him healthy because you're going from three down to two and that does change some things, but uh, I think they're okay at the quarterback position. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Long live the lion. We'll, we'll see what happens indeed. And, and Levis, I said it last week, but he is a guy that you keep hearing about that athleticism, the athleticism, and you pair that with the arm. And this is another kid. I think as, as people start to get to know him better, you're going to hear a lot of the attributes applied to Sean Clifford's mentality uh, applied also to Will Levis, a competitive kid that I think uh, there's not a lot of questions when he steps into the huddle. But obviously, he has not appeared in a college game to this point, and Clifford himself has only thrown seven passes and, in and college Levis, contests. And the Levis scouting report right now is he's a big dude that can throw the hell out of the ball. I mean, he's he's obviously got yeah. some tools, and we're not projecting him as a great quarterback yet or anything like that, but he's the backup, so people are going to want to hear about him. But, uh, yeah, he's a big dude. He throws the hell out of the ball. I'm excited to just see him just let it rip. But uh, there's a lot more to being a quarterback to that. And, and we know that Clifford – Based on his track record in high school, based on what he was, he's been able to do so far to to impress those people, be competitive, and be that guy. Uh, you know, I, I think he's just got the the broader body of work that you can go with right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and whoever the quarterback is, again, Sean Clifford should be the guy. Um, they're going to have to figure out who, who's going to be running routes for this team because there is a lot of inexperience in that receiver room. We've talked about it before. Weston Carr coming in as a, as a grad transfer. You know, he's your lone senior in this group. When you look at guys who came in on scholarship, uh, and and you know when you you know factor in everybody, uh, there's a lot of names to go through. We've tried to do it. We brought the question to Jared Parker, who was a first year receivers coach. He's still trying to figure out what he's got in that room, and you know he gave us a, a nice succinct breakdown of, of several guys here, as you'll hear in this clip. Justin Shorter got much more mature, own mistakes, started on his body, lost a little bit of weight. Daniel George is 10 pounds lighter. I think you're going to like what he's going to do with the ball in his hand, and he's going to keep his feet in the ground better. K.J. Hamler now knows, has a plan for running routes and not just picking something and doing it. You know what I mean? Daniel Chisina is learning how to be a wideout. Cam Sullivan Brown, before getting hurt, Learned how to go get the ball down the field. Jahan Dotson is now learning how to close this gap of instead of being Mr. Smooth to, to accelerate and really pushing his foot on the pedal and learning how to be great. I mean, I could go on. And it, there's so many guys that have so much product that they can improve. I think they're really eager. And the, the guys all made collective strides in their own way. And it's going to be good to see the two young ones coming in and Weston and Mac Hip and Amber coming over to learn how to see them make strides that kind of make this place cool. Needless to say, a lot of positive affirmation coming from Jared Parker there. And he took this job in January, and, and, and one of the first things he was asked in that press conference was, "Has he, had he ever been around a receivers group this young? And he said, no, he had not. Uh, but he said, you know, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Obviously, you're, you're working, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to get uh, guys who have very limited game experience or no game experience to be prepared for that and what they're going to encounter on Saturdays. But at the same time, there, there's a lot to work up, and you can kind of build guys the way you want receivers built up. There's not a lot of bad habits. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously this is a new receivers coach uh, and Jared Parker wants to get it right uh, with all these guys. And, and Sean, it's such a, a mixed bag of, of, you know, we got the transfers, you've got former walk-ons, you've got former five stars in there, and you've got KJ Handler, who we, who we think we know something about. Um, you know, where do we stand at wide receiver right now? I, I think it's in good hands with Parker, but as he's saying, um, there's a lot that everybody's working on. 
Well, the fresh slate is what's important here. I mean, he's going to get in there. He's seen tape, obviously, of last year, and he's probably wanted to forget some of the tape from last year, as most of our listeners probably do as well. But it's one of those things where he's got the opportunity to find his own rotation and not pay attention to to what has happened in the past. I mean, we've already heard more from Jared Parker in the last, uh, what, three months than we heard from David Corley in, in a year. So I think that's positive. He's getting out there. He's you know uh, trying to instill some confidence because these guys are going to read things like that. These guys are going to... Uh, listen to things, uh, I guess, how they're evaluated from a, from an outside perspective. And, and I think that can help you with the confidence. you got a guy like Weston Carr. You've got Dan Chisena. You've got uh, uh, some sort of veteran presence. It might be a little bit different than having a DeAndre Tompkins or having a Deshaun Hamilton or something like that. But you've got, uh, you've got a chance to, to, to cultivate some leaders, turn K.J. Hamler into a leader. We've seen K.J. in every camp so far this offseason, and he's been a vocal guy. Not that he was never a vocal guy, but he was a vocal guy that the people have really flocked to. And, you know, that sort of that helps you grow as a wide receiver. That helps you build. We've talked about this before with Justin Shorter. Um, you you want to see that guy step up and be an alpha. You want to see that guy step up and be, be the dude that's, that makes those big catches. And, you know, I think, that, I think Shorter's a big wild card because because of that. So uh, we talked a little bit with Parker about Shorter, uh, obviously, uh, last week, and it's, uh, it's some interesting stuff. And, and the first question I asked uh, Parker about Shorter is, you know, coming off of our conversation with Justin Shorter in May, uh, he'd said, you know, point blank, his goal is to be the Big Ten freshman of the year uh, here in 2019. I said to Parker, what are his thoughts on that? And, and here's the response. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a lofty goal and an attainable goal if he continues to, to be wired with the right kind of stuff. And so he's exactly right. I think, think about this, a kid that his stature that everybody would quickly look at and assume that he's probably a junior or senior. So he's a redshirt freshman right now, um, whom his whole life, now that he's grown into this player he is, especially by stature and recruiting and everything, has been told how great he is and how great he should be. And so that's a lot. So really it's our job as a program and as his coach, i got to remove and carry that burden and remove all his anxiety. And then I've got to help him remove the stuff that's still stuck to him. Because if he removes that, of course, he is as gifted as there is, and he's got a chance to be a really good player, and better yet, he will be. As long as he don't think about the things he should be doing and just do what he needs to do, he'll be just fine. And Justin Shorter, number one receiver recruit in 24-7 sports rankings. He's a guy that I think earned that label uh, on the camp scene during his time with a state championship squad as a senior at South Brunswick High School. And, you know, he he is the highest ranked recruit to come to Penn State since Derek Williams on offense in 2005. So we are talking about high expectations, but what you take away from from Parker's statements there, other than that, you know, Shorter's getting himself right physically and mentally, is that they're underway with the process, and it's part of that relationship that they're forming Parker and him Parker wants to say you need to ditch the five-star expectations let me take that on and 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 listen to what I'm doing we're gonna get there you're gonna look like the guy everybody wants to but you need to focus on just being that guy rather than uh you know being the being Mr. Five-star in this moment you'll get there if you follow these steps and I, I think that's something that Justin Shorter talking with him in May has his head wrapped around he actually talked about the difference in his self-confidence and you know obviously the big thing here Sean is and we talked about it before the kid was injured and, and and he didn't get a chance to run, you know, more than 10 routes into November. So 
Trace McSorley said it after the Citrus Bowl that he felt like among those young players, Justin Shorter had, had the best few weeks stretch there in the, during the Citrus Bowl preparation. And now here we are, you know, closing in on training camp. And, and you know, things are moving in the right direction. But I think what Parker wants to make sure is uh, that, that Justin Shorter go, doesn't go out on the field thinking that he has to be the Big Ten freshman of the year or it's a failure. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and, and leaving that all behind is, is obviously easier said than done. Because that's it. I mean, that's and we're the we're the people that hype it up. I mean, let's be honest here. But leaving that all behind is is not an easy thing to do. He's got to you know not only leave that behind. He's got a very supportive uh, background. He's got uh, stuff like that. But he needs to start taking some of that on his own. And I think that's something that you know Penn State. If you talk to the coaches, they they've seen that. I mean, Justin Shorter. You know, don't want to call him sheltered, but you've got a guy that came in with everything going for him and things like that, and he hit a little adversity, and that that that's true you hate for it to be you know the the dislocated knee or whatever but you you hit a little bit of adversity there in your freshman year it's about how he responds that they liked how he turned things around in bowl practice they like what he did in uh in spring practice and if he can be that guy that stretches the field a little bit and and does some things and i know he's a a very good short route runner you you wouldn't expect it from a guy his height but he can turn and run uh you know off that five yard hitch like not many receivers that i've seen coming out of high school but he he's got to be able to you know refine his game be that guy stretch the field i mean you're asking a lot of him but i don't think you have to put it all on him that doesn't make any sense coming out of my mouth but i think you you understand what i'm trying to say here Tyler. i mean i, I think you're looking at justin shorter and and if you say he is your number four pass target you know midway through the season and he's doing a good job with that You'll take that right now because you think K.J. Hamler, Jahan Dotson have experience. They both have starts underneath their belt. And let's face it, Pat Fryermuth, for my money, is probably going to be Sean Clifford's favorite pass target. I know people love K.J. Hamler, what he can do down the field. But to me, I think Pat Fryermuth has a really good chance to lead this team in targets. And and so, Justin Shorter, exactly. He doesn't need to go out there and be the number one guy. He may get there, but I think this year you're just looking for him to entrench himself in this rotation pile up a bunch of reps, catches, get hit a little bit, knock off that knock off some of those tacklers and and really just get a feel for what it's like to play big time college football. That's the next step for him. Um, now, when we talk about five stars going from one to the other, Sean, former five stars, I should add, Micah Parsons. Now, now he did not, uh, you know, he, he certainly made the most of his opportunities uh, as a freshman, leading the team in tackles despite logging only one start. Uh, and this is a guy now coming into the next season. You know, you're going to see him on all American list on the on the All Big Ten list as a first teamer in these preseason previews. Uh, but Sean looks like we could add a new wrinkle to, to the dynamics that 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 he brings to the football field. As Joe Lorig points out here, Micah Parsons could have the ball back in his hand again in 2019. You won't see me practice anything that we won't really do. Yeah, he's 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 big, he's strong, he's fast. He wants to do it. You know, when I live, when I whenever I'm a stab, I, I read a quote that I gave someone the other day, but it's still true today. Whenever I'm evaluating a kickoff return, I think, well, what do I not want to see as a kickoff cover guy, right? Okay. Well, if I look down there and I see KJ Hamler is one option to kick to, or the other option's Micah Parsons. I don't. That, that's tough. If I'm a kickoff guy, right? I better hope it's a touchback. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's something Micah takes pride in, wants to do, and. Uh, I'm not saying it'll be every snap. You know, it'll be like every other position, whoever the best guy is. And, and like I said, we won't, we'll make sure we're not overusing or underutilizing guys either. 
And that is a very compelling combination, potentially. You talk about Hamler's skill set, Micah Parsons' skill set, having those two back there, and what Micah could do kind of as a uh, as a bodyguard for KJ Hamler and, 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 and paving a way for him. It's all very intriguing, but as Lorig said, he's going to have to go earn it. I, I thought it was pretty uh, pretty cool to, to hear the, the candidness and some transparency there. And, and uh, But Lorig has said from the start, they want guys uh, to maximize their ability to impact the games and, and get wins he said there's no part of football that can that can push your win total in a quicker way than an improved special teams group obviously that's why he's now on campus and uh he's going to try to use Parsons and I think this is a theme though Sean we're going to see guys get used in some interesting ways and when you talk about some of the you know the former four and five stars who still aren't up to starter level that's an opportunity for them to make that impact and kind of get their route to the football field help this team pick up victories no doubt about it and and not all of them are going to work I think we'll (laughs) we'll see that and we've seen that in the past uh, some Gerald Hodges flashbacks I think we mentioned last week but uh, yeah we'll, we'll see what happens with it Parsons obviously a phenomenal football player all around tremendous high school uh, running back slash H back slash whatever the hell he wanted to be in high school um, so that, that it'll be fun to watch and and you put Hamler back behind him you've all of a sudden got something dangerous and and no respect to Jonathan uh, yeah Jonathan no disrespect intended to Jonathan Thomas who was back there last year who did have a really good return against Indiana but you know, you, you don't. You know, it's not a pick your poison situation when Jonathan Thomas is back there in front of Hamler. I mean, if if Parsons is there, you're thinking a little bit maybe too much and trying to outthink yourself. Maybe that results in a kick out of bounds. I mean, it's not necessarily about the big return or or getting the guy for a chance to go all the way. I mean, you, you're going to set yourself up in pretty good field position in that regard. So we'll see what happens if we're playing mind games with kickers. But it's fun to think about at least. Speaking of, I can't wrap my head around seeing Micah Parsons take a knee in the end zone. If it should ever come to that, I feel like he will ev- always, always do his best to, to to make something happen with that football. And you know, I, I I'm just kind of half kidding because obviously he's going to understand situational football. But Micah Parsons, we've heard it. He's always chomping at the bit. He talked about it during his recruitment. Several teams, including Penn State, you know, kind of sold him on the ability to play in a couple different phases. This is a guy who, if he had his way, would probably be playing running back for Penn State, wrestling for Penn State, maybe even kicking for. Penn State. He was a kicker in high school too. So who knows? Uh, but, but I think, you know, Micah Parsons is the kind of special athlete that you do want to maximize those talents uh, and, for and your you team. Can use that, you can use that in recruiting. I mean, you can oh, go yeah. out and say, hey, this guy's, you know, he's, he's a great defensive player, obviously, but, you know, look at what he did in high school. He was an all-around guy, probably like the kid that you're talking to was an all-around guy. We're going to give our guys a chance to get the ball in their hands. And, you know, it's pretty, it's, it, I guess it's a fairly safe way to do it. I mean, you, you put him back on a kickoff return, put him in front of Hamler. I mean, I don't think you're putting them both back in the end zone and doing that thing but turns him into a blocker maybe you throw cj thorpe in front of him like they did last year so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens i think it's a fun so sort of an element of fun to the program that you can add without really having to do too much to to put yourself out there yeah, and on recruiting trail, there's a difference between selling plans and pointing to proof because I think one thing that came up during discussions with both Devin Ford and Ricky Slade before they got to campus, both those guys were not just all-state running backs. They were all-state special teams returners down there in Virginia. And the fact that they saw Saquon Barkley being able to have the opportunity as a kick returner, uh, game in, game out for Penn State, that really showed that that you know, something that, that they could see themselves in. So I'm with you. It's something that you can definitely take to the recruiting trail if you utilize Micah uh, across the football field a little bit. Um, another guy that that is going to draw a lot of eyeballs, we talked about Justin Shorter on offense, the expectations that are in place here for a leap. 
starting to hear more of that with with Jason Oway. Obviously, I'm someone who's been you know really banging the drum for no. Jason being a yeah surprise being a breakout player this year. Um, but but I am not alone. And, and as you'll hear here, um, Sean Spencer, you know, defensive line coach for Penn State, a guy who was enthusiastic about every player in that room. Just something different in his voice here as he answered Mark Brennan's question about expectations for Jason Oway here in 2019. He's starting to figure it out completely. Jason Oway can rush the quarterback um, and can turn the corner like a big league player, right? He is developed, though, in his pre-snap reads and understanding what the offense is doing to him on first and second down. You know, there was times as a freshman last year, he would line up like 12 years outside the tackle on first and 10. That's not going to work. But he's starting to understand those things, and that's what's exciting about him. Again, I was just telling another guy, it's like a piece of clay. Like when you were a kid, you molded this piece of clay into what you wanted it to be, and that's how I feel like we were able to do with him because he really had no bad habits before. You you know what I mean? In terms of football, because it was new to him. So everything we we teach him is a new thing, and, you know, he responds to it. I mean, he's got to earn it, obviously, um, but we're expecting him to have a big role. He will, he will be a huge part of our success on defense. So we'll see what lies ahead. I don't think anyone's expecting Jason Away to be a game one starter here at defensive end, uh, but but clearly uh, going to be a, a main component of what they want to attack a quarterback with, and, and he has the skill set, as we talked about, to handle his business up front. Now, uh, staying with the defensive line room, um, you know, it, it was an interesting day on Tuesday um, as Ellison Jordan, who has been plagued by knee injury uh, throughout his uh really the last couple of years since after his redshirt freshman year, he's coming up on redshirt junior year. Uh, and he tweets out with a pretty extensive tweet, Sean, um, stating that he is no longer going to be with the Penn State football program moving forward. Uh, you know, really went into detail on a lot of his medical setbacks and, and his thoughts on that and how they were handled. And, and then he actually posted a video, which I think approached about 40 minutes where he continued to go into detail. And, you know, some of it certainly sound personal and, um, End of the day, he ends up deleting those. He tries to walk things back and say that he's not, you know, officially, uh, you know, transferring, but but he's dealing with, uh, you know, some issues and he's frustrated and, and he made a mistake. And I think he ended up deleting uh, several tweets. But without going far, too far down the road of, of how this impacts the program and and the player, there is a person involved here, you know, twenty years old, twenty one years old, whatever he is, and he actually. You know, very specifically referenced depression here, Sean. And when I hear that referenced, especially by someone, you know, at the college age where depression is extremely rampant, um, that gives me pause to focus too much on the Penn State football program and the football player. I I hope this guy has, you know, people who are in his corner and it's nothing to do with sports. It's nothing to do with football just because they care about the kid. He's clearly dealing with something right now. Yeah, this is something that takes a big mental health angle, and that's something that doesn't get talked about enough in college athletics, and that's it's really unfortunate. And Ellison's been dealing with this stuff for a while. That's something we've we've heard behind the scenes. It's not all about the knee. It's not all about his recovery. And obviously, if you saw the notes that he put out, uh, you know his recovery has been has setback after setback, and it's really been unfortunate to watch. He's a talented player. He's a guy that uh, you know you really could 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 use some disruption in the middle, but that's really not what's important right now. So. Um, it's, it, it, it was really, uh, unsettling to read some of the stuff. And he talked about the Penn state trainers and how they, you know, pushed his knee too far. And it's, it's, it's really unfortunate, but unfortunately also, this is not the first time this has happened with him in terms of putting stuff out there and then walking it back, deleting the tweets and being like that. There's obviously something more at play here and really before anything else, you hope that, that he has the people around him. He gets the help 
that he needs to have, and it's and it's really un it's really unfortunate to watch. And um, like I said, nothing more important than getting his head right and, and feeling that. And because if he gets his head right, he'll be able to to figure some things out. Uh, Penn State came out with a statement uh, late Tuesday night saying that his status remained unchanged with the program. Um, I, I, I think they have to kind of say that I don't really expect Jordan to be part of things moving forward. And, and if you talked about, uh, our previews and our, our look back the spring and, and into the summer, we weren't expecting Jordan to be a part of this anyway, which is really unfortunate, but, um, it's just one of those things where it's not a pretty situation all around. What was said really can't be taken back, even though, you know, he did, t he did delete those. I'm sure the screenshots are out there and circulating around. Um, uh, but no, I mean, it's, uh, it's tough to see and it happens, I think more often than the people want to give credit for you got these t big tough football players who are expected to not put out that uh, that image or anything like that and you know something is clearly off here and that's it's really just it, it sucks to be to, to watch and be a part of yeah there are tremendous stresses on every college kid I mean whether it's a financial burden in some cases or, or just the the having to pick up a, a tremendous volume of responsibility that didn't exist in your life until you left home you throw in playing football at this level there's a lot to it and then you throw in these setback after setback after setback you know not to get uh, you know to repeat exactly what you just said Sean but you know turning the page here not quite based on you know what we heard from that, that Penn State comment about things remaining unchanged and, and focused on his you know his his health right now and safety of a student athlete um yeah, like you said, we don't know whether he'll be with this team uh, when they take the field and, and one way or another uh, on the roster. But we do know that defensive tackle is a position that, like as you said, had not had him factoring in as a main player, mainly because of those injuries, obviously. Guy that's been kind of out of sight, out of mind when we when we talk about the defensive tackle position. Um, and, and as we've talked about it, you know, look, let's let's focus in. You've got Robert Windsor, who played heck of heck of a season of football last year, I thought, especially in the Big Ten, uh, was a Big Ten player of the week on defense against Wisconsin. You know, season did not end the way he wanted to, being suspended for the Citrus Bowl, but you've got Antonio Shelton, PJ Mustafer battling to, to to start alongside him. I think either way, whoever doesn't win that job is going to see a ton of time and I think you're in good spot with that three and as we've said you look at the next group which is where I think Ellison Jordan a healthy Ellison Jordan would have been a factor maybe Fred Hansard Damian Barber Judge Culpepper Aeneas Hawkins who by the way Aeneas Hawkins looks like a changed man physically uh, these days than, than, than last year so there's a lot of names in there you feel good about the top three and, and as we've said all offseason Sean there's a gap there and there's room for someone multiple people to step up and, and assert themselves Hawkins was a kind of a reclamation project. He came in, uh, you know, he put on weight. I think he, so many of these guys put on weight and Culpepper even said the same thing when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, they put on weight just to put on weight so they can get here and have a chance to play. That obviously did not happen with either of those guys. Hawkins probably went from about where he should have been around 255 to 290. Um, and that was just not good weight. So they knocked him back down to about 260 and tried to build him back up. I still don't think physically he's he's where he needs to be to compete for that spot. But you still got Fred Hansard coming off of injury. You've got Damian Barber, who was a wild card, had a really good spring. And then Culpepper, who could you know eventually work his way into a player here as well. So you've got options there. going to be very important to find four or five of those guys, uh, you know, including those first three that, that can give you quite quality reps they've had it uh, when they've had that rotation that four or five men rotation they've had their most successful teams 
Uh, I'm looking at Hanser right now as probably the, the, the odds-on favorite for that fourth spot. Barber gives you a little something different. So, I mean, you can slide him into that fifth spot and then go from there. And the, and they're going to play around with things. They're going to move uh, Utor Gross Matos inside at times this, this year. They're going to move some of those, those other defensive ends around because they're so good and they can get to the quarterback. I think you may see Daniel Joseph in that situation as well. So we'll see what Sean Spencer decides to dig up. But uh, you add uh, Devon Ellis, Joseph Darkwa, and eventually Hakeem Beam into that mix as well. And you don't need a ton of bodies at, at defensive tackle, but but you're sort of starting to feel a little bit better about that position, not a position that's been recruited all that greatly since uh, since James Franklin was here. Obviously, a ton of misses, high-profile misses going back uh, to, to names that we, we, we really don't mention here anymore because people get upset when you say Christian Wilkins. But anyway, you've got Cole Brevard in the in the, uh, in the the I guess in the can for next year. Uh, put in a crystal ball this week for, for Fatorba Moba from, from Susquehanna Township. Came to camp, did some really good things. This is a 6'3", 270 kid, broad jumping 9-3. I mean, when you look at uh, you know the stats across the board, that's some, that's some explosion there for a kid uh, who's built really well. We'll see what he can do uh, in his senior season, but I think he'll probably be a Nittany Lion by then. And you've got other guys out there. Keziah Izzard's going to take an official visit this weekend. Brandon Taylor's a defensive end that can eventually be in that tackle and that five-technique mold like they have Hakeem Beam and Amin Vanover still out there with Penn State very high on his list and took some hits this week on the defensive line. You had Ty Hamilton go to Ohio State, which was pretty well expected. Isaiah Rakes to Texas A&M, which we also expected as well. Sean Martin to North Carolina, probably the most intriguing decision because this is one where Penn State made a really good impression on him on the uh, May 18th junior day. Expected to get him up this weekend for an official visit. He visits North Carolina last week. And by the way, North Carolina, I know he's a West Virginia prospect, but Chapel Hill, three and a half hours from his home. State College, six and a half hours from his home. I think that has something to do with it. But really, really kind of a surprising decision from Sean Martin, who you expected on campus this week, this weekend. Yeah, and, and now I think that's a great lowdown on, on where defensive tackle is right now and, and looking Good, ahead. I, uh, exhausted. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a lot. And, and, you know, I will say you talk about some of those recruiting misses. The last couple classes, though, with Mustafer and Ellie's, you know, interestingly enough, out of the same school, McDonough School in Maryland, both considered top 10 defensive tackle prospects uh, by 24-7 sports. Uh, so you're loading up that room a bit right now. And, and, I, and I think out of those freshmen you mentioned, Ellie's is the guy who I think has the ability to make an impact. But I I think physically he's going to have you know transformation just like everyone faces. By the way, Sean Spencer last year said that PJ Mustafer was the only true freshman that he's played that extensively, uh, or even considered really playing that extensively at Penn State. So it says a lot about what they think about PJ, uh, and now he's in year number two. So and, and, and recruiting the position, you you don't find a ton of guys like PJ Mustafer as we've said before, but you also don't want to find those guys that are you know six two three twenty. You know it's it, it's one of those things where where you look at what's out there and what they're recruiting, that the weight has gone down. I mean, Darkwa is now up to 290, but he was a 270-pounder. Ellie's was a 280-pounder. Uh, Hakeem Beam at a 250-pounder. So, you know, you've got these athletic guys when you're going to, to move away from and, – and this is just – for example, you're moving away from the Fred Hansard type. You're moving toward the Damian Barber type. And, and Windsor was a guy that was 275 when he got here. Shelton was about, I think, 290. Um, and and, and Mustafer is kind of in his own little class uh, as, as a guy that was day one ready. So, you know, you're getting lighter. You're getting more athletic. you got a guy like Mulba who's 270 and, and, and tested really well at camp. So you're looking for bigger athletes at this point. So it's kind of different than bringing in a guy that's ready-made at, uh, at 6 through 320 or something like that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so we talked about uh, defensive tackle recruiting. There was a lot of recruiting going on this past weekend in Happy Valley. Five official visitors were on campus uh, with the Nittany Lions. Uh, hundreds of, of high school athletes were more on campus on Saturday for the 7-on-7 seven seven tournament, followed on Sunday by the Elite Showcase, the second Elite Showcase camp of the month. Um, Sean, there's a lot to get into here, but but I think you got to start with a new offer from a familiar uh, from a familiar junior college program. Penn State offered Norval Black from Lackawanna two weeks ago. Got his commitment right away. Last week after camp uh, after camp, they offered Jair Brown from Lackawanna as well, defensive back. Probably fits in as a safety, kind of in the same mold as Brisker as Jahan Brisker last year. Um, but I think he can play. You know, he, he he worked out at corner, looked really good at corner. But I think his body type and his athleticism kind of fits more with uh, with what they're looking to do at safety. So I mean, I put a crystal ball pick in for Penn State. I'd be very surprised if he ended up elsewhere. And it's one of those things where you look back at the last couple of years, Penn State has started to lean on Lackawanna. You take you take what James Franklin said in December about maybe you know adding putting added emphasis onto that. They've got a great relationship with with Coach Duda there, and that really going to probably be the first choice for a lot of those kids um, based on exposure, based on the way that they've been able to, to cycle those guys through there and and have some success. You've got Norval Black on board. I expect Jair Brown to be on board. Brisker's on campus. You've got uh, Anthony Wigan on campus. Bradley King walked on, uh, you know, as a punter. So you've got a lot of uh, a lot of trust and a lot of uh, relationship built for, with Lackawanna, and I think that's going to continue. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But Jair Brown looked really, really good on Saturday. Penn State did something a little different this year. They've got royal blue jerseys. And, and if you're in a Penn State camp, and you probably don't know what I'm talking about here, but if you're in a Penn State camp, you see guys in, in blue jerseys, you see guys in gray jerseys and black jerseys. And they just, uh, it, it depends what class you are, offense, defense, any of that stuff. And now they added royal blue jerseys, which means you can add JUCO guys, prep school guys, just guys that you want to see work out because they changed the rules a couple of years ago where you can get those guys in the camp. You can see what they do. And that's one thing that uh, that was really interesting to me. And granted, Jair Brown was going up against high school kids. He's, you know, he, he just finished his freshman year. So he's a year or two, I guess, probably two years older than those guys. So he should be physically dominant. Man, he just, he, he put some of those kids on their behinds. It was, it was, it was pretty fun to watch. You haven't seen a defensive back performance like that in a long time. It was a really impressive performance, and a couple of those royal blue shirts at at wide receiver at times looked like thirty year old men toying with fourteen year old boys. Yeah, you should get some downfield. facial hair tips from those guys. <laughs> I mean, they they obviously can, can 
They were rocking it, yeah. Than you, yeah. No kidding. Um, not you. You've got it figured out. Yeah, that's, uh, you've that's got, you've point, got. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in, in terms of this camp, I think you know another guy that we were watching closely was Garrett Nussmeyer, uh, the son of Doug Nussmeyer, who is now on the Dallas Cowboys staff, but a lot of extensive college football experience. Uh, he played at Idaho, went on to play quarterback for for four or five years in the NFL. But the Florida Gators, the Michigan Wolverines, Michigan State Spartans, uh, LSU Tigers. He has been either the offensive coordinator or the quarterback coach or both for all of those programs so it's this is a different list co- of fan bases that probably don't like Doug Nussmeyer but anyway go on <laughs> well I will say this they they visited uh Michigan State and, and and Garrett got an offer and now they're going to LSU this week so they are they are kind of retracing the footsteps of his career a little bit I don't know if they're going to go to Gainesville though probably not a good it's idea to go to Gainesville. It, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, so this is going to be a, a different you know recruitment this is one a quarterback recruitment is always kind of unique but you're talking about one who was extremely plugged in on on, on you know what goes on behind the scenes in the college football recruitment. There's nothing you're going to surprise him with. He spent the day with Ricky Ronnie. He was in the facilities with Ronnie for a while. Uh, you know, Ronnie went down in May to his school uh, down in Texas and and got an opportunity to, to spend some time and and eventually offer that scholarship. And you know, he's an interesting name. And, and there's a few of them. You know, he came to camp with an offer. I thought he was clearly the best uh, quarterback out there overall. The quarterback group I think was down compared to where it was a couple weeks ago at the Elite Showcase. But you know. He, You've got some interesting ones. You've got Jake Rubley out of uh, Colorado getting the offer in the 2021 class. That was uh, the previous Sunday after camp. And now you've got an offered kid in the 2021 class. Interestingly enough, Sean spoke to both Rubley and to Nussmeyer after their respective visits to Penn State. Both were impressed by Ronnie, and both, though, are on you know the commitment timeline. Both of these guys want to get it wrapped up uh, December, January, so we're talking post-junior year, and normally that's the case when you talk about upper echelon quarterback prospects. They're not the ones lingering into the summer before their senior year or going into their final high school year uncommitted, so... Uh, you know, Penn State's, you know, the 2021 board has developed and Caleb Williams has been a guy that's always been there. And we'll get to him in a moment because he was also on campus. But some new names surfacing and, and you know, putting the effort in to get to campus and, and get to know this coaching staff a little bit better and the campus a little bit better. You got to cover yourself when you're recruiting quarterbacks, especially at a high level like Caleb Williams, because he can go anywhere. So um, we'll see what happens with that. And those guys do like Ricky Ronnie. They're not obviously uh, Penn State fans on Twitter or on our website. Uh, so that's an advantage that they have to sort of block that stuff out. But yeah, uh, Nussmeyer was up. Tevin White we got to see for the first time this weekend. He's an uh, interesting 2022 running back who was Devin Ford's, uh, who played at Devin Ford's school. Uh, Penn State got a look at Jairo Fe- uh, Favreus, uh, the, the the Dutch cornerback who plays in England that we have been talking about the last couple of weeks. Uh, from what we understood and what we reported br- prior to the camp, uh, this was kind of a, an, a, an audition for him to see if that offer would come to, to pass. We talked to Brandon Collier a little bit of PPI recruits um, the other day, and he kind of echoed the same thing. He kind of knows the game and see how things were, uh, went. Um, not the most impressive uh, that he's been. We, we heard he went to West Virginia and rocked it. Uh, he came to Penn State, was just okay, and then he kind of got hurt. So maybe an unfair evaluation point. But uh, Penn State decided to go in another direction. He committed to West Virginia a couple of days later. So um, that's kind of how quickly things move at this time of year. And, and Penn State's going to look elsewhere at corners. Of course, um, Joseph Johnson's on campus right now for an official visit. Henry Gray's coming up for 
and unofficial this weekend. So they've got options there. So I don't think they're they're completely sweating that one. But uh, just interesting how things move. Charles Finley, uh, a tight end that uh, you and I are aware of from DePaul Catholic. Uh, obviously, Taquan Roberson's old school. I saw him at Nike uh, in early May down in D.C. Looked pretty good, looked the part, and did a good job on Sunday catching the ball, which really he didn't do great at Nike, but uh, you could see the athleticism. Penn State, I think, okay at tight end right now where they stand with Theo Johnson. You've got Cole Taylor coming in for an official visit this weekend. A couple other guys are on the board as well. So I don't think they're quite uh, quite ready to offer Charles Finley, but certainly a, an attractive name when you talk about down the board at tight end. Yeah, Finley is a guy to keep on the radar. You know, you don't know how things are going to shape up and where guys are going to end up. Maybe tight end situation looks a lot different in November than it does now, but obviously he could you know, feel right about another school. Uh, he's a kid I thought had himself a day, and we were both, you know, talking about that overall uh, at the camp. To me, he was probably the most impressive downfield pass target, just physicality, athleticism. But uh, you're, you, you know, yeah, they they can be pretty selective at tight end right now. They, they really can, uh, and they're in, they're in a good spot where where I think a lot of tight ends would love to play in this scheme and for Tyler Bowen. So that, that's a healthy position. And, and and as really quickly going back to Tevin White, who you mentioned, Devin Ford's former teammate, got a little bit of intel from uh, North Stafford's coaching staff on him. You know, this kid is already 200 plus pounds at six foot one, and he's got, you know, three years of high school ahead of him at, at running back. You know, that that's, that's a lot of size and he looked the part there at, at camp and he's got the offer, but he also plays strong safety. And, and that's something I'll be keeping in mind moving ahead. And, uh, but, but really interesting. He's a guy who, who had a chat with Ricky Slade got a hug from Ricky Slade and you know those guys know each other from down in Virginia I don't know if they know each other but Devin and Ricky knew each other obviously he knows Devin very well so there's going to be a lot of connection in this backfield for the next few years Uh, a long way to go though with Tevin White of course Uh, again a 2022 prospect Uh, now quarterback position you know Sunday I I talked about getting to see Garrett Nussmeyer Uh, you know no slight to Garrett Nussmeyer who I think is a blue chip quarterback recruit himself we may have seen the best one in the country in Caleb Williams on Saturday in, in terms of 2021 quarterback prospects, uh, Gonzaga uh, High School down in, in Washington, D.C., they sent a couple teams up for this 7-on-7 seven seven tournament. You and I pretty much stalked the one that, that had Caleb Williams on it. Um, Mark Brennan put together uh, some video highlights. I've got to get some more up. There was plenty of them. Kid looks the part. Ricky Ronnie was watching. James Franklin was watching. We were watching. And I am all in on your philosophy that 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 he is the top quarterback in the country based on who I have seen. He's freaking good, man. I mean, there's no really there's no real uh, evaluation going on at this point. You just see the game throws the ball. Uh, he flicks his wrist and it's gone. I mean, you got you got guys trying to put all their body weight into throwing. You know, a, a 15 yard out. Williams just flicks it, goes with it, has an innate sense of timing, gets the ball out in the right spot. And just his ball placement is years ahead of where he's uh, where he should be, and it's just it was incredible to watch. I watched a couple of his games. He actually knocked uh, Greencastle Antrim, my alma mater, out of the uh, the tournament. Not that they could play with them, but it was fun. it was pretty funny to watch because he was he was on the sidelines by the end of that game because he just I think threw five or six passes and they were all touchdowns basically. So um, no, it was really fun to watch him. He's just a phenomenal prospect. If there's a better quarterback in the country, I haven't seen him. I know there's some pretty good ones out there in 2021, but Caleb Williams is that guy. He also got up for an unofficial visit the day before. Not a kid that does interviews or anything like that, so we haven't heard too much from him. But uh, you know, very high on on Penn State, very high on Georgia, Oklahoma. I think Alabama's in that mix as well. There's a kid that can go anywhere in the country, and you know, this is a if you're a Penn State fan, you're, you're gonna be locked in for a battle for this one. Uh, I'm not sure how long he plans on on drawing this one out, but it's gonna be the top uh, top players in the country. So. 
Uh, really, really impressed with Caleb Williams. I'm probably more impressed with him every time I see him. It just uh, He's a guy that you want in blue and white if you're listening to this podcast. We'll put it that way. But uh, team camp, other than that, Harrisburg won it. They, they've got some nice little players. They've got a couple of really good uh, underclassmen offensive linemen um, that will be on Penn State's radar in the next couple of years. But, uh, yeah, Harrisburg did a great job. Cal Everett does a fantastic job with that program there. Cody Simon was up uh, from St. Peter's Prep. St. Peter's Prep was up for the camp, which is interesting because we thought – you know, a couple of weeks ago, Simon told us he was coming for an unofficial, but when you add the element of team camp from it, kind of takes that shine away from it, possibly in an unofficial visit. Nebraska, Ohio State, Penn State still in that mix, and he's going to go to Ohio State this weekend. So um, as with most guys from St. Peter's Prep, I'm kind of on a wait-and-see basis where, you know, you really haven't seen Penn State uh, had a ton of success there. That, of course, is Brandon Wimbush's old school and a couple of those other guys. So uh, we'll see what happens there, um, but I'm uh, not really expecting a ton from the Cody Simon stuff. Uh, onto the big man uh, camp, uh, they offered Dorian Ford from from Baldwin, Pennsylvania. Good-looking kid as a defensive tackle. I think it's probably a, uh, an offer that was going to come eventually. He got a chance to work with Sean Spencer. They had a pretty decent uh, decent group that included a bunch of good 2021s from Christ the King High School in, in, in New York City. So good uh, good all-around big man camp. We, he's just going to put these camps side by side with the team camp last week and the team camp this week. The team camp this week kind of blew, blew, the, blew the last one out of the water. Yeah, and in terms of drama, there was no comparison, Sean, because five-star receiver Julian Fleming was back on campus for the first time since issuing his Ohio State commitment. Um, and yeah, people noticed, people happened to notice that he was on campus and, and you know, he was joined by some family members. His mother was there as well. Um, and, and, and as, as usual, uh, the golf carts were following him, um, you know, from the staff. And the interesting thing here was, you know, he, you could see him speaking with, with a guy like Micah Parsons. And I've always thought those two relationships, you know, between Fleming and Micah, if there is any way, uh, I think Penn State, you know, gets back into this as things progress. If that's to happen, I think Micah Parsons is going to play a pretty big role because there are very few people in the world, you know, who understand what Julian Fleming is going through as the local kid um, who has this hype. And you know, these two are up there with with just about anybody you can name in the modern recruiting uh, landscape for Pennsylvania. And and they both at times, you know, were figured to be slam dunks to Penn State, and then at times they got a lot of heat from Penn State's fans. So I think those two, there's a lot of commonalities. Obviously, Julian, uh, you know, he's saying everything Ohio State all the way. Uh, just to clarify, I know people saw some pictures that, that we posted, actually. Those were just, those were red gloves, red cleats, uh, you know, look into it what you will, but there was no Ohio State logos on there. I think there was some maybe disinformation out there on social media about that aspect. But, but Sean, it was really interesting. And, and by the time this wrapped up, you were just wondering, hmm, I wonder what happens next. I'm just curious because... James Franklin and, and, and Julian Fleming and Julian's mother, and I kid you not, we were texting during this 15, 20 minutes solid, about 30 yards away from everybody else out on those fields before him and his mother walked to the parking lot and left to go home. Don't know what was said. I'm sure some things needed to be said on both sides, um, but to say the least, it was a compelling afternoon in Happy Valley. To be a fly on the wall on that one because it was not a, hey, look at our uh, 107K strong uh, come to Penn State type talk. It was, uh, there were not a ton of smiles. There were not a ton of uh, happy hugs and, and, and everything like that. So it would be interesting to see what what was said in that, uh, especially after Penn State or after he went to Ohio State, did the couple interviews where, you know, kind of, you know, not, not trash Penn State, but, you know, it was – 
you know, he was asked why he didn't go to Penn State, and he gave a pretty honest answer. So I uh, don't know that that went over all that well, but we will see what happens. Um, Wyatt Milam was also back on campus with Spring Valley. Uh, Spring Valley always has uh, great linemen that come up, uh, Doug Nestor and Zach Williamson and uh, some other guys like that. I think Penn State has positioned themselves well with Milam early. He's probably, probably a guy we're not talking about enough. Um, but you look at that 2021 class where you've got uh, some options in the, in the state. Uh, Nolan Rucci's, of course, there. Wyatt Milam's there. So, um, you know, they're hoping to build on a good 2020 class and continue that in 2021. So we'll see We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, Tristan Lee, Landon Tengwall. There's a lot of names to like right there at tackle early on in 2021. No, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, back to 2020, you got some weekday official visitors in. Parker Washington and Joseph Johnson. We're recording on Wednesday afternoon. Probably going to post this on Thursday morning, um, but we're late Wednesday night. Not sure. Um, but uh, Parker Washington, Joseph Johnson, two guys. Penn State, you know, I think stands in a pretty good, maybe top two, top three type of area four. And we'll see what happens with their officials. Actually, expected Washington to be on campus this weekend, but uh, that's how that happens. Or that's how that happens. Sometimes he just came from Wisconsin. He's going to go to Penn State. We'll see. I mean, because we're we're approaching that dead period where these guys are going to start making decisions. I think Parker Washington could be one of those guys. Tremendously productive wide receiver from Texas. I think he fits into the slot and you know would really work into that receiver room uh, fairly nicely. And Joseph Johnson. Uh, a corner. Uh, I still don't know that uh, you want to be his decision on July 4th, as we said with his last decision where he committed to NC State, but NC State's still in it. Texas A&M's in it. Uh, Ohio State is in it as well, but I don't think Ohio State's uh, you know all that heavily involved. So, you know, if Penn State wants to replace that slot left by Joshua Moten, I think Joseph Johnson could be one of those guys, and they've got options at that corner spot, and good to get those guys in for the midweek visit, because you at this point, you're stashing them in anytime you can. Yeah, Joseph Johnson is physically different than anybody who currently plays plays cornerback for Penn State Nittany Lions and and he just a different kind of body uh and, and I saw him in camp I've talked about it before kid really impressed me against some quality receivers down in the Baltimore Under Armour Regional I think if Penn State were to bring on Johnson uh you'd feel really good about what you're adding at cornerback and and Washington I think a lot of people are going to go to his 24-7 sports profile and say this kid's ranked 70th in the composite at his position. Tell me why I should be excited. He caught 18 touchdowns, and he had 1,400 receiving yards last year down in Texas. So there's a little bit of a nugget to, to get excited about when it comes to Washington. And he's an opening finals uh, invite, which they don't just hand those out like candy for uh, for wide receivers especially. Uh, moving on, uh, a couple of weekend official visits. Of course, a big weekend coming up, but last weekend we're going to – we're going to recap that real quick. Very good weekend overall. Uh, you know, I think the biggest news or what not to come out of that would be, you know, I put in my crystal ball and Steve put in his crystal ball for running back Kaziah Holmes from Cocoa, Florida. Uh, this kid, uh, he's got some speed. Four, four, I think 447 was his Nike uh, opening time this year. Um, Penn State really made a tremendous impression on him. I think uh, top two, if not the leader with uh, with Florida State. He's supposed to go to Tennessee this weekend. We'll, we will see if that happens, but you got to feel pretty good if you're Penn State coming out of this visit. Yeah, and who was, uh, who was he driving around the golf cart next to? Oh, that's right, J1 Sider. Uh, that's, exactly. that's who we saw on the yeah. field, and, you know, can't doubt this guy. And I think at this point, there was a time when you'd say, you know, we're putting too much eggs in basket with Florida. Not me, but you'd hear it from people and saying, you know, when are they going to cut that out? It's not going to work. It's working, and uh, they're they're not they're only going to double down on it at this point while they you know while they have this opportunity. And, and as we said, John Dunmore's on campus now, so the perspective is going to be different. T.J. Jones and Cider even said, even though Noah Kane's not a Florida guy, a Florida native, you know, his presence helps them down there as well. So Jay Wan Cider, such a good Florida recruiter, he got it. 
an airline to get a direct flight to Orlando and St. Pete as Allegiance coming to state the State College <laughs> Airport. So if if Dunmore wasn't it, if TJ Jones wasn't it, Noah Kane, it's Allegiant Airlines, which you know. <laughs> I thought you might like. I thought you might like that St. Pete trip. Yeah, I thought you might like that direct flight. Uh, I'll you, deal with it. Yeah. And and then the other guy, I think you know that you kind of focused in on maybe Penn State being very well situated with offensive line. You know, it's a it's a it's a group where you've lost a couple commitments this month. Uh, Josh Fryer has been a name, you know, on the rise, a four-star in 24-7 sports rankings. Uh, Sean, he's a guy that, that certainly seems, when you look around the offensive uh, line landscape right now for Penn State in the 2020 class, he's the name on that radar. Yeah, he was a priority before they lost uh, Aaron Parks, before they lost Grant Toutant, but uh, he was a guy that this weekend came in, spent a ton of time with the staff. I mean, it, it almost felt like he was following us around because everywhere we popped up, the staff popped up. Matt Leingrover was there. Tyler Bone was there. Um, just that whole offensive staff, and Josh Fryer was right there. I mean, he didn't see a ton of Holmes or, or A.J. Henning or, or any of those other guys, but uh, you did see Josh Fryer. He just hung out there the entire time, seemed very comfortable with where he was. Um, now, we'll see where, where that comes back because I think he's, he might be a summer decision guy. He's going to take an official visit to Ohio State this weekend. I think he's going to Indiana today. I could be wrong on that, but he's an Indiana legacy. Um, his dad played there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you certainly have that opportunity to, uh, to to swing back in there. We have him rated as a center, but he's a tackle for Penn State. And he would be, you know, he goes from being, you know, a, a potential uh, you know, cherry on top to this offensive line class to a very vital part of it. And I think uh, you you watched him on Saturday. You watched the vi- the body language. He got in there with Golden Achumba and, and Olu Fashanu. Felt very comfortable with those guys. So you know, you have to like where Penn State stands out of that. We'd like to do a little bit more research before the crystal balls come flowing in. And of course, he's got to go to Ohio State, which is a, a you know sort of a, a tall mountain to climb if you're Penn State lately. But uh, you know, you've got to you got you put yourself in a good spot. I think you solidified your stance with Josh Fryer this weekend. And then three other four stars were on campus, Sean, as you well know. Wide receiver A.J. Henning, who is considered the top prospect out of the state of Illinois. A safety, Makari Page out of Michigan. And then another safety, Jordan Morant out of New Jersey. His first trip to town in, in quite some time. Now, uh, coming away from this, we've had you know content from Brian Doan, from Steve Wolfong. That's all on, on lines 24-7 right now, Sean. Speaking with those guys, you know, speaking with, with your sources, uh, you know, what are your feelings out of that trio coming out? Because it seems to be a little bit of a separation. Maybe things are better off and more realistic with those other two. Uh, but these three guys, as you'd expect, coming off official visit, positive vibes we'll see what sustains moving ahead though i you know what steve just posted a story on aj henning that i haven't read yet as we were as we're recording so i'll leave that one alone but uh page is interesting to me because it's one of those guys if you look across the country there are guys um just a little bit higher on the pecking order for several schools and i think he's going to ohio state this weekend i'm wondering if page is a priority for the buckeyes right now because they're of course recruiting lights out and they've got a bunch of those you know, safety kind of linebacker guys. Court Williams is one of those guys. And, you know, it's just, it's a situation where you're not sure who's going to put the full court press on. And and with this dead period, with this sort of month off of visits, you wonder if a, a, if a situation like, you know, hosting a guy like Makari Page last weekend can benefit Penn State and he could, they can sneak back into it and maybe uh, get into the lead or snag a commitment or something like that. And then you kind of have the opposite with Jordan Morant, where, you know, he had not visited forever. You kind of, uh, you know, make him feel comfortable, make him realize what he liked about it from the first place because a, a year ago I mean this was all Jordan Morant was talking about and all the people around Jordan Morant were talking about he was going to go to Penn State I mean it's a, almost a done deal so you've got an opportunity to get him back on campus rediscover what he kind of fell in love with a year ago 
Now, you probably have to get him back for another visit. That won't be easy with his high school schedule because, you know, that Jersey, they play a lot of those Saturday games. Um, but he's not going to announce until January 4th. So you've got an opportunity to, to, to maybe get him back once or twice um, in the meantime and, and, and see what happens. So I thought, you know, a month and a half ago, Penn State may be on the outs or out of it with Jordan Morant. They've done a good job uh, getting themselves coming back around and getting themselves back into that. Uh, Makari Page, I think Penn State's right in the mix with him. Henning is kind of out of my territory. Haven't heard a ton of feedback. I mean, he's been great on social media. He's His mom's been great on social media. He's still talking about the trip, so that's good. But, you know, I think Notre Dame and Michigan are two schools that, you know, build up a fairly substantial lead coming to this weekend. So you've got, uh, I, I think, a really productive official visit weekend. You know, you were looking at maybe Fryer as the guy that, you know, Penn State had the most realistic chance with coming in. But then you make a jump with Kaziah Holmes. So you've got an opportunity getting those guys around each other. Um, I think it's uh, a bunch of those guys sort of rubbed off on one another and, and it's, it's so far yielded positive results short of a commitment. I was totally listening to you, but I also was skimming through Steve's write up, uh, on, on that wide receiver spot. (laughs) So with Henning, uh, you know, he spent a ton of time with KJ Hamler, Jared Parker, both of those guys did their best to blow him away. I think, you know, another positive feedback coming from Parker in terms of a guy not really looking to just coach receivers, but to kind of take ownership of that room and serve as a mentor. I think that's kind of been something he's tried to sell and, and that shown through. And I think, you know, if you can pair a guy with Paige, KJ Hamler for a weekend and we saw them, you know, driving around the golf cart. He's an entertaining guy. He's he's a competitive guy, and I think KJ Hamler is also a great player to get input from if you're the staff. Like, you know, what's this guy's makeup of? I, I think KJ Hamler would be pretty good at kind of reading through some of the uh, mental makeup of, of the guys he's around over the course of a weekend. These official visitors, uh, but you know, obviously, you know, it's always tough. Kids, if kids aren't talking positive about their official visit, then you've really got a problem. But you know, that's all you can do with Penn State and, and, and a few more names to know. And this weekend, Sean, again, the final official visit weekend for Penn State for all of college football. Uh, things slam shut as we go into next week on the official visit window uh, for early stage. We'll see it again during the season as usual. But something tells me we're going to see a ton of you know condensed favorites list bunch of commitments because there is a major gap now in terms of what you're actually capable of doing as a recruit and as a recruits family. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's sort of crunch time and I was totally listening to you by the way. Uh, it's sort of crunch time <laughs> and it's going to move in that direction. I think Penn state uh, on board for a couple of commits coming in the next uh, couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. I think that's a national trend. It's not just a Penn State thing, but uh, they position themselves well for a couple of those guys. And we're going to have, I think, a lot of Penn State uh, content on the site. Well, of course, we have Penn State content on the site every day, but a lot of national guys are going to uh, chip in. We've got a sort of a Penn State car wash coming on Friday with, you know, Brian Dome's going to be there, Steve Wilfong. Some of our national guys are going to chime in with uh, with some uh, sort of state of the program type stuff. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Of course, we'll be running a special on Lions 24-7. be well worth uh, checking out out no doubt about it but uh yeah i think uh, we've uh we've gone a little long on this one but uh i, I could see your <laughs> you're staring off towards I'm... towards the waves or, or maybe towards your your next mixed drink i don't know but we'll get you back to the beach and yeah, we uh, get... <laughs> and we'll and we'll get this up for the for the audience out there and, and that's going to put a bow on the episode here uh we hope to come back with another one later in the week uh sean anything else to add before we let you uh, head back and put your toes in the sand. No, unfortunately, I've got I've got a cold brew here, but I don't have uh, the cold brew that I want. It's, I'm still on coffee for right now, but uh, we'll get to the other stuff later. 
Yeah, we're recording at 2.54 on a Wednesday, but you are at the beach, so you know, go ahead. Green light. Um, we'll catch you all later. This is going to do it for the latest edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Be sure to follow our content on Facebook and Twitter. We'll talk to you later in the week.